Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Oh boy. <clears throat> oh my. Has anything happened today? Did anything happen today that I'm uh, unaware of? I'm not sure. Did anything happen? What, what could have happened today that I'm not aware of? Well, I'm playing games with you. I'm playing games. I'm trying to be cute. I'm trying to be cute. I don't know why. Maybe because it's Friday. But um, it's amazing. So, you know, usually usually in the afternoon, around uh, 3 or 4, I kind of decide, you know, what I'm going to talk about, at least to, 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 to start the show, you know. We always go in all different directions, of course, which is normal. But to start the show... I was going to, uh, you know, talk about something else other than Twitter. But, of course, in the middle of the day today, everything was uh, was released. All, all of uh, Elon Musk's Twitter files were released regarding the uh, collusion between the Biden administration, the DNC, and the people who formerly worked at Twitter to censor people. Um, and... So that became like the theme of the day. So at around three or four o'clock, I go on call in and I put in the Twitter files. Let's talk about that. And I noticed that no one else had that. None of the shows that were on earlier in the day had that as their as their heading, the Twitter files. And and now uh, just before I go on, I, I look again and I see almost every show <laughs> that was on during the day today had the Twitter files as the heading of their show. So I'm sure people who have listened all day long, whether it's on call in or other podcasts on Spotify or on uh, cable, especially Fox has seen all this information and it's been talked about probably ad nauseum all day long. But I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it. I mean, this is just, Look, it really comes down to this. We all knew this was the case, right? It's almost like the stuff that's coming out now about COVID, right? The stuff that's coming out about COVID. All the stuff we knew since, you know, the spring or summer of, of 2020 was true. Now it's coming out that it is true, that it's been proven true over and over again. And so this is all stuff that we have already known. We've already known it. But now we're seeing the evidence, right? Now we're seeing the evidence of it all. And that's what's happening now with, with Twitter, with, with the, uh, the Hunter Biden story and such. And, you know, it's not as though, it's not as though, We are shocked by anything we're seeing because I, I'm not really shocked by anything I'm seeing. I, I, I will go through as much as I can. Uh, I'm sure many of you who have already seen this, if you've been on Twitter today, and of course you have been, uh, the Matt Taibbi uh, thread, which is a very long thread. I think it's at least 36. Is it 36 points, I think. And this is just the beginning, by the way. This is going to continue all weekend into next week because there's more and more that's going to come out. This is just the first dump, if you will, of this information. 
And um, Matt Taibbi is a great reporter. I mean, Matt Taibbi is one of the few remaining good reporters, actual real journalists, right? And so Elon Musk was smart to give him all the information, to have him disseminate it and, and write about it on Twitter. Um, you know, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, these are the people we, you know, we, we talk about. Um, so he was very smart to have him put all the information out there. And going through it all, I mean, going through all of the, of the files that were, that were talked about, that were released by Elon Musk, there are a few things that really, that really stand out. There are a few things that really stand out. I'm going right now to the, yeah, so number one, thread the Twitter files. Okay, here we go. Um, and let's say he says, this is a first installment in a series based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. And now we knew this, that when Elon Musk took over, once he got in there and got into the nook and crannies of the system and what was going on, he'd be able to uncover all of this stuff. He'd be able to uncover the apps, you know, all, all, everything that we knew was happening there. But he has the evidence through emails that I'm guessing they weren't able to wipe out before he took over. So these are all internal documents at Twitter, right? And as Matt Taibbi says, the Twitter files tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It's a Frankensteinian tale of a human-built mechanism grown out of control of its designer. Twitter in its conception was a brilliant tool for enabling instant mass communication, making a true real-time global conversation possible for the first time. Um, in an early conception, Twitter more than lived up to its mission statement, giving people the power to create and share ideas, information instantly without barriers, right? So that was the I, the first idea. That was the idea behind Twitter, right? That it was going to be instant information, right? No barriers. And that's why Trump liked using it. It was a way to reach the people, the citizens of the country, his voters, and get information out to them with no barrier or no filter by the mainstream media. In other words, this is what he says. And as he says it, you get the information right there. No filter, right? Well, that's a fantastic idea. It really is. Because we know how the media and people can twist things. And then it goes through this process where it's a game of telephone, right? In the old days, when you didn't have something like Twitter, it would go through, I, I'm the president and I say something. Then one reporter says to another reporter, and one reporter says, and it changes as it goes through. Well, with Twitter, you don't have to worry about that game of telephone, right? You say it and it's out there. Now, that's good and bad for the person saying it because there's no filter, right? So, and we saw this with Donald Trump, that is good because there was no filter. You knew exactly what he was saying. And it was bad for him because there was no filter and you knew exactly what he was saying. You get it? So, but that was the idea of Twitter. Slowly over time, as Matt Taibbi says, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Oh, as time progressed, however, the company was slowly forced to add barriers some of the first tools, barriers or filters, some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraud. So, okay, 
if you look at that concept to to you know to filter out spam and financial fraudsters that's great i think that's great everyone can agree great we don't like spammers and we don't want people we don't want financial fraudsters stealing money from people right Slowly over time, though, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tool filters. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speed as well. First a little, then more often, then constantly. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back, Handled. So you understand that? In other words, and Matt Tyree puts up a screenshot of a uh, of a um, email from October 24th, 2020. Now, remember, October 24th, 2020. What was that? Uh, a week before the election. Biden wasn't even president yet. That was a week before the election. More to review from the Biden team. And it has one, two, three, four, five statuses, five links to statuses. Thanks all. And then it says the response. That's so October 24th at 539 p.m. This went out more to review from the Biden team with five statuses. Right. From different people who put up statuses, just like I do all the time, just like you do all the time. All right. Put up a tweet. And five, six, three hours later, it comes back, handled these. So the Biden team. This is one of the most stunning parts of this whole thing. No wonder why this has the most comments and likes. It's just, this is thread number eight on the Matt Taibbi thread of files. Okay? The Biden team seeing five tweets they didn't like a week before the election, sending it to Twitter, and the person at the other end three hours later saying, handled these, meaning what does that mean, handled these? Handle these meaning they were deleted or the accounts were suspended. So this is where you get the collusion between the Biden team, government, government and Twitter. Now, this is where, as Elon Musk would say, the left loved to say, well, they were a private company. They can do what they want. The Second Amendment doesn't matter. You're a private company. You can do what you want. This is a different story. This is the government. Okay, this is the the Democratic nominee at the time a week before the election, telling Twitter to do something and them jumping and doing it. That's when you get into Second Amendment issues. Thread number nine, celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. Another email they show from October 25th, 9.58 a.m., I grabbed the first one under SI, defy to safety on the high profile second one, defer to safety on the so they what they would do is and here, and it comes from two two staff reports, one from Stephen Lewin and one from James Woods. James Woods was just on Tucker Carlson, by the way. James Woods was a big target of the DNC. All of his statuses, all all of his comments were big, big, big targets of the DNC and censorship. Um, so basically they took down, this is one of the big ones they took down from James Woods. I think James Woods has, this was a week before the election. James Woods referred to a Hunter Biden laptop. So basically this is what they were doing a week before the election. Anything regarding Hunter Biden laptop, the Biden team was sending to Twitter and Twitter was deleting. 
Okay. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, very important, as Tabe says, the system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. And because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, 99% they give to Democrats, there were more channels, more ways to complain open to the left or Democrats than the right. And then Taibbi puts up a screenshot of the contributions by party of recipient, and it shows, you know, basically 99.73% of Twitter uh, contributions going to Democrats. The resulting slant in content moderation of decisions is visible in the document you're about to read. However, is also the assessment of multiple current and former high-level executives. Okay, there was more throat clearing about the process, but screw it. Let's jump forward. 16, the Twitter files, part one. How and why Twitter blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story. On October 14, 2020, so three weeks before the election, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. That was the story that was put up on October 14th that Twitter took down and suspended the post camp, you know, the whole, the whole New York Post. Twitter page. Uh, Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be unsafe. They even blocked this transmission via direct message, a tool here to reserve for extreme cases like, you know, child pornography. So a direct message. So, you know, the DMs are right on Twitter. It's just between two people. <laughs> no one else sees it. And they even blocked those. Now, that was usually only used for people you know, sharing child pornography with each other. And yet they would block direct messages based on people simply sending Hunter Biden's story and comments about it to each other privately. White House spokesman Kelly McEnany was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn, who's to, who, who sees at least pretend to care for the next 20 days, meaning 20 days until the election. Uh, this led public policy executive Sharon Strom to send out a polite what the fuck query. Several employees noted there was tension between the comments policy teams who had little less control of moderation in the safety trust teams. Strom's note returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's hacked materials policy, whatever that means. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks. There's no evidence that I've seen of any gov official government in this laptop story. In fact, there might have been the problem. The decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without here's, here's this, this is also key without the knowledge of the CEO, Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust, Vijaya Gade. You'll, you hear that name a lot, Gade, playing a role. He, he, that was one of the main people that, uh, the top people that Musk fired as soon as he took over. They just freelanced it as how one former employee characterized the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. So these are people basically at, this is a Twitter employee saying they didn't feel right. A lot of the employees didn't feel right about this censorship. And that it, 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 you could not put it under the guise of hacking. You can see the confusion in the following lengthy exchange, which ends up including Gade and former trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. Comms official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. So Trenton Kennedy, 
the communications official says, I don't understand this. How can we how can we delete this stuff or censor it under the guise of it being unsafe? I'm struggling to understand the policy basis of marking this as unsafe, said Kennedy. And I think the best explainability, explainability argument from this for this externally would be that we're waiting to understand if the story is the result of hacked materials. We'll face hard questions on this if we don't have some kind of solid reasoning for marking the link unsafe. Will we also, someone else responds, will we also mark similar stories as unsafe? By this point, everyone knew this was fuck, said one before employee, but the response was essentially to err on the side of, well, continuing to err. You all Roth, the policy basis is hack materials. Though as discussed, this is an emerging situation where the facts remain unclear. Given the severe risks here and lessons of 2016, we're erring on the side of including a warning and preventing this content from being amplified. And Gotti says, what is the warning that's going to come up? You all Roth, when you click the link, you'll see the generic unsafe URL message. References spam, malware, and violation of the Twitter rules. Not ideal, but it's the only thing we have. Ian Plunkett writes, whatever we do in the com- comments, this will become a, bi- a bias claim for Jack pre-hearing immediately. Let's make it clear we're proactively but cautiously interpreting this through the lens of our hack materials policy and allowing the link with a warning and significant reduction of spread. So once again, they made sure it was shadow banned, basically. L- lack of spread is shadow banning, which, of course, they all said didn't exist. Former VP of Global Comms Brandon Borman asks, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? So you see, there are people within Twitter who are like confused as to how this is going to be pushed off as as uh, as as hack materials or things that are unsafe. To which former deputy counsel Jim Baker again seems to advise, staying the non-course because caution is warranted. It's worse and worse. A fundamental problem with tech companies and content moderation. Many people in charge of speech know, care little about speech and have to be told by the basics by outsiders. To wit, in one humorous exchange on day one, Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna reaches out to Gotti to gently suggest she hop on the phone to talk about the backlash in speech. Khanna was the only Democratic official I could find in the files who expressed concern. Ro Khanna wrote on October 14th, generating, generating huge backlash on Hill regarding speech. Happy to chat if you're up for it. Gotti replies quickly, immediately diving into the weeds of Twitter policy, unaware Khanna is more worried about the Bill of Rights. So this is what Gade wrote to Kana. Thank you for reaching out, and we appreciate the heads up. We put out a clarifying thread of tweets earlier this evening to explain our policy around the post of private information and linking directly to hack materials. The press secretary's account was not permanently suspended. We requested that she delete the tweet containing material that is in violation of our rules, and her account is restricted until she complies. I'd be happy to jump on the phone if helpful. Thanks, Vijaya. So she's going to these, like, 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 uh, Tybee said, the weeds of like Twitter policy. And Kana's like actually worried about like the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment. Kana tries to reroute the conversation to the First Amendment, mention of which is generally hard to find in the files. Uh, Ro Kana, this is Ro Kana responding to Gade. Hope you're well, Vijaya, but this seems a violation of the First Amendment principles. If there is a hack of classified information or other information that could expose a serious war crime and the New York Times was to publish it, I think the New York Times should have that right. 
A journalist should not be held accountable for the illegal actions of the source unless they actively aided the hack. So to restrict the distribution of that material, especially regarding a presidential candidate, seems not in the keeping of the principles of New York Times versus Sullivan. I say this as a total Biden partisan and convinced he didn't do anything wrong. But the story now has become more about censorship than, rel- than relatively innocuous emails, and it's become a bigger deal than it would have been. It is also not leading to serious efforts to curtail Section 230, many of which would have been a mistake. I believe Twitter itself should curtail what it recommends or puts in trending news, and your policy against QAnon groups is all good. It's a hard balance. But in the heat of a presidential campaign, restricting disinformation, a dissemination of newspaper articles, even if the New York Post is far right, seems like it will invite more backlash than it will do good. Please keep this communication between uh, just us and Jack and no need to see to CC to the team or forward to them. Just wanted to offer my two cents. So I'll give Ro Khan a little credit here. He's the only Democrat who's actually saying this is like a, a First Amendment issue. Uh, within a day, head of public policy Lauren Culbertson receives a ghastly letter report from Carl Zabo of the research firm NetChoice, which had already polled 12 members of Congress, nine R's and three D's, from the House Judiciary Committee to Representative Judy Chu's office. NetChoice lets Twitter know a bloodbath awaits in upcoming hearings, with members saying it's a tipping point, complaining tech has grown so big that they can't even regulate themselves, so government may need to intervene. Zabo reports to Twitter that some Hill figures are characterizing the laptop story as tech's access Hollywood moment. It's also very important. Twitter files continue. The First Amendment isn't absolute. Zabo's letter contains chilling uh, passages relaying Democratic lawmakers' attitudes. They want more moderation. As for the Bill of Rights, it's not absolute, they said. So basically what's happening here is the Democrats are saying, if you don't do it as we say, if you don't censor this stuff, there'll be repercussions in the future. We will make you pay if you let this stuff go out without censoring it. And these Democrats are basically saying the First Amendment isn't absolute. Free speech isn't absolute. You do as we say, basically, or you'll be punished. An amazing subplot of the Twitter Hunter Biden laptop affair was how much was done without the knowledge of Dorsey and how long it took for the situation to get unfucked, as one ex-employee put it, even after Dorsey jumped in. Now, this is all about the Hunter Biden story, folks. It's all about Hunter Biden. But we know there's more. And the more, of course, is going to be things like COVID. And it's going to be things like Fauci. And it's going to be things like Fauci writing to Twitter and the Democrats writing to Twitter and the Biden administration writing to Twitter saying to censor any kind of dissent when it comes to Fauci and the DNC's narrative on COVID. Uh, You know, it's going to be about censoring and shadow banning people like Jay Bhattacharya and Marty McCarry and Peter McCullough, whose account was suspended, um, just as they censored people like James Woods and the New York Post. So we know this is going to go far, far deeper into a wormhole than just a Hunter Biden story. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of Elon Musk revealing how the former um, people who ran Twitter before him censored any information, anything 
that would make the Democrats or Joe Biden look bad. Censor anything that would go against the official narrative of Joe Biden and the Democrats. Go against the official narrative uh, uh, that they wanted to perpetrate, that the Hunter Biden story was more Russia, Russia, Russia stuff, even though all the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff was phony. And how any information that went against the Fauci narrative of COVID was misinformation, right? And, and conspiracy theorist nonsense and shouldn't be allowed on Twitter. To me, I don't think I'm overstating it. And this, once again, this is just a vanguard of everything. This is a surface, the beginning of all of this. There's much more that's going to come out over the next few days. And remember, a month from now, Republicans take over the House and will be able to have hearings. And I'm sure all of this stuff will help them in their hearings. I'm sure all this stuff is going to lead to more hearings. But this, to me, makes Watergate look like a, a breaking of a candy store. I mean, this is this is absolutely one of the most Orwellian things to ever actually happen. This is like taking Orwellian fiction, right? And, and, and it was fiction. And it's now become reality. It has become absolute reality. Where you have the government colluding, once again, as I have said for the last year on this podcast, the big government colluding with big tech. And as you'll see later, as Elon Musk reveals more over the weekend next week, big pharma, right? Big media to censor anything and anyone that gets in their way, basically. That gets in their way of when it comes to the Democrats winning elections, Joe Biden beating Donald Trump, right? This all stems also from Trump derangement syndrome. So all of this stuff, and then when it comes to, of course, COVID, not getting in the way of big farmers' profits. Not getting in the way of big farmers' profits, right? So it's power and money, right? It's the power of the Democrats winning elections, Joe Biden becoming president, Donald Trump not getting a second term, big farmer making billions. This all goes into power and money. And once again, the, the very important comment that Elon Musk made, which is that, the left always said over the last however many years that Twitter has, it's a private company and they have a right to do what they want. And it's not, they're not, they're not breaking the first amendment by doing that. But once the government gets involved and the government puts the pressure on social media, on Twitter to do as they say to stifle free speech, then it becomes a First Amendment issue. Then it becomes a criminal issue. And I've said this over and over and over again. I've said this over and over and over again. This is why you need prosecutions. William, I'll get to you in one second. This is why you need prosecutions. This is now criminal. This goes into criminality now. And when you look at those emails of people at Twitter and look at Rokana saying, you know, we need to really think about this here. Think about this. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew what they were doing was wrong. And they did it anyway. Like Matt Tybee said, error on the side of erring more is basically what it was. So this is what I mean by by prosecutions. You need to prosecute. Otherwise, this will continue to happen. Or there'll be a – because this is all coming out to be a small window where it won't happen. But then it'll happen again because people will forget about all this. 
There need to be people who are put in jail for this. People who pre- people in the government who pressured Twitter and Facebook, YouTube, whatever it may be, and I'm sure it goes – once again, these are the Twitter files. But if someone else took over Facebook, you would see these files on Facebook. If someone took over YouTube, you would see these files from YouTube and so on and so forth. These people who put the pressure, put the arm on social media to stifle free speech need to go to jail. They need to be prosecuted. So if there's an email from Biden, from Fauci, which we know there are, we've already seen those, haven't we? But there'll be more once once Elon Musk digs it all up. Telling big tech, telling someone on Twitter, please take this down. And, And they take this down. You must take this down. And as the Democrats said in those in those emails, you do this, otherwise we're going to hold hearings, right? You do this, otherwise we are going to make your lives miserable. They must go to jail. Fauci must go to jail. He must be prosecuted. It's criminal. William, how are you? How are you doing, my friend? Uh, you know, it's uh, look, I'm glad all this is coming out, but it's frightening, isn't it? Well, Orwellian is the word. I mean, uh, we we have the uh, case laws on the federal level. You mentioned New York Times for Sullivan free speech. There's Brandenburg versus Ohio. There's a Westboro Baptist Church case. All these uh, state uh, uh, violations of free speech uh, court uh, decisions were overturned in the federal courts. And so you have precedent. You have legal precedent in those case laws that this should definitely apply to any social media platform and the remedy to free speech is more free speech not not someone who's going to decide do you see what i'm saying who who's in the position to to you know eliminate freedom of speech nobody if it, if it crosses into criminality then we have statutes for that exactly exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. right you know, and and that's I think the problem is when you start to. This is what we talk about about you know slippery slopes, right? Yes. When you start to use these filters, as Matt Taibbi talked about in its inception, they were going to use these filters. You know, you do use filters like child pornography and financial schemes and 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 spamming and all that, and you go, ah, that's that sounds great. That sounds great. But then you let's put it this way: once you create those tools. Those tools can be done for evil, used for evil purposes, right? Mm. Once those tools are created, even in their inception, if they're created for good reasons or moral reasons, once they are there, they can be used by bad people for bad things, to do bad things. And that's exactly what we've seen here. Bad people took over Twitter. Dorsey didn't even know this was happening. and He was a damn CEO, right? So. Bad people took over Twitter and they had the tools to do bad things and they did bad things. And I think that is the that's a lesson here is that maybe these tools should never be used in the first place. Because you know why they could be they could end up in in the hands of of evildoers. And that's what happened. Well, I agree. I mean, and if somebody's communicated child pornography on some level over Twitter, then just let the authorities prosecute them. In other words, if they want to put it out there in the public domain and make it that blatantly in front of people, that's then, you know, the authorities can, it can be brought to their attention, 
by Twitter and investigated by authorities and let them make the arrest. That's a, right, just, just like they would if someone threatened the president, you know, or, or threatened yeah. anybody, right, with physical harm. You would send it to the FBI, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Right. It's not Twitter's responsibility, really, to censor I, that. And if you censor that stuff, those people just get away with it, right? Yeah, it's... it's, it's Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> you yeah. shake your head and wonder, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's well, common sense. You know? Well, but, but what, what is that? Okay, but let's get into the mind of those people. All right, so I'm, I, I, I don't care. I, I'm running a, a, something like Twitter. I'm running it. I'm, 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 I'm Elon Musk. I'm, I'm running it, and I see something come across that's about child pornography or a threat to somebody. And okay, I'm going to forward it to the FBI. That, that's yeah. the thing to do. Yeah. Unless, unless I want power i want the power to censor people i i i that makes me feel important right that makes me feel like i have some real sense of control that i can just censor things i don't like things that offend me i'm just going to censor them and make it like they never happened and that is the problem is that when you have people that crave this control that crave this power and that's what we spoke about that's what I spoke about. Many of us spoke about about COVID. Is this oh, yeah. all control? This is control. These are people. Many of these people, and I'm generalizing, but I think it's generally true. Many of these people, like who have run Twitter, these techies, people in the health department, like Bob Ferrar, they're people who they never had any real control over anything in their lives, right? These are probably the people who were picked on in school, who were bullied. Who, who were seen as the outcast, the nerds, never had any real control over their lives or anyone in their lives. Then they find themselves in these positions of power, okay? And they manipulate it. And that's a big part of all of this. And everything we've seen during COVID is just the ability to have control of other people's lives, something that before you became a powerful person in big tech or a powerful person in politics, you didn't have any of that control in your life. You didn't have that ability. I, 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 I apologize for being Freudian, but I think there's a lot to that, you know? Um, I, yeah. So. I think we can take it. I think that could be part of it, but also to another level, the, you know, the criminality on the pharmaceutical level and the CDC and the world health organization that needs to be exposed. So these are interconnected. Um, it's and even the World Economic Forum, they're all the NGOs are involved, you know, with the COVID issue, for example. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And certainly that trickles down. Uh, I mean, uh, there's no separation here, in my opinion. Uh, this is just uh, what's known as kleptocracy, you know, the worst of the worst running the ultimate uh, uh, fascism um, uh, and when you're talking COVID, you're talking medical terrorism for anyone who believes in using holistic means, uh, you know, who's been doing it forever their whole life, uh, then they lose their job because they're not willing to take an experimental vaccine and all the trial evidence has been buried this whole period. By the way, my friend, remember when uh, um, Pfizer went to court and the judge decided, no, 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 you can't withhold that for 55 or 75 years of vaccine trial information. Let's start providing it at 10,000 pages a month. We got a 10,000 page dump, which mm -hmm. really revealed all kinds of criminality. And I haven't heard any other, any other uh, tranches dumped since. Have you heard anything? It's been months. I haven't, but I think what you're going to see, I, I think, 
you brought up a good point that I think we're going to see once once Elon Musk reveals more and is passed on to Biden's story. Oh, I see. Yeah. And we get remember we get into COVID. I think you're going to see a lot of the same things where you're going to see you're going to see doctors, real doctors saying, oh, well, we have all this really real data about COVID. We have this real data about the vaccines. We have this real data about masks. And you're going to see the same thing happening. You're going to see the same people at, at, at Twitter censoring that stuff, saying we can't allow this out. People like Fauci saying, please get rid of this. We don't want right, this right, out right. there. So I think this is going to go so deep, Bill. I think this is going to go so deep that the Hunter Biden story, like I said, is just going to stretch, you know, and Joe, Joe Biden's involvement in that. You're going to get just to scratch the surface, scratch the surface of what I think is going to be uncovered over the next days and weeks of, of the kind of censorship we saw at Twitter and the kind of censorship that, as Ro Khanna was saying, let the people decide, put the information out there. And let the people decide if this is important to them. If this, let the people decide if they think this is a, a real story that's important to them when it comes to voting or not voting. Let people decide if this information makes them not want to get the vaccine, right? And I think you're going to find so much that they censor, so much stuff out there that it's going to, it's going to really be mind-blowing. It's going to be mind-blowing what they, what they were able to get away with. I, re- I really do. I think it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, these people really need to be held accountable. These people just, let's put it this way. Fauci just cannot ride off into the sunset and people like Gade and other people on Twitter who did this can't just be allowed to get another job, okay? They have to, they have to be held accountable or it'll just happen again and again and again. Well, I agree. I think we also have to look at Facebook the same way and it wasn't Zuckerberg and Joe Rogan saying he was taking orders from who? From the CIA? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, FBI, CIA. So this is what I mean. Intelligence. Has been totally and this rad. is the double standard we see. Look, we, we see someone like um, Alex Jones, right? And they go after him, right? Yeah. Because he puts out crappy, he, he puts out shitty information. You know, he talks about, you know, a false flag with, with school shootings and the kids aren't really dead and the parents are part of it and all that. Yes. And he, he makes a lot of, you know, he hurts a lot of people talking like that. And so he's sued and they win all this money. But how about all the people who are hurt? Because of the censorship that happened at Twitter, right? All the people that were hurt. That I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump probably was hurt by it, but that's not my main concern. My main concern is all the little people who were hurt. Even James Woods, whose career has been ruined, right? Because of what they've done to him, the way they've marked him. Anyone in Hollywood can't be associated with him. You know, so there are people out there. From the highest levels of Donald Trump to the celebrities like James Woods to the little guy that you don't even hear of, who were really hurt by this kind of 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 of, of, of censorship and and stifling of free speech and stifling of real inf- of information of the process of of information gathering. And I think that they're really. I mean, once again, I think the end game for this is these people have to be held accountable for this. Well, if you have criminal activity, then you have accomplices and accessories and a cover-up participation. That's that's a racketeering act. That's under the you know what I mean under the Rico Act that they use to bust down the mob. You know what I mean. And so, if you have conspiring criminal activity, that's you know conspiracy is a real thing. It's not always a theory. Do you follow this, me? This, this, I mean, this, is, this, this could be a RICO statue thing. It's exactly. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's 100%. Look, this is just like, 
you know, you you can look at it where they go after the mob, right? Where they they sure. make phone calls and they where they they talk in code and yep. all of that, you know. And this is basically the same kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it these, it's just emails that were hidden, that were private, that were not revealed until now. Once again, look what had to happen. The guy had to spend forty five billion dollars buy Twitter, get in there for a couple of months, go into all this. Look at what had to happen. If not for Elon Musk, I don't want to make him to this huge hero. But if not for Elon Musk, we would not be uncovering all this stuff. We wouldn't be seeing all this stuff. We wouldn't be seeing the evidence, right? You and I and others would know this happened. But now we got the goods. Now we got the receipts. If not for him, who knows? We may never have known, right? I, I agree. You know, when you're talking about people harmed, there were groups. Let's go to Facebook for a moment. There were COVID groups, people communicating about vaccine injuries. They they were eliminated. The whole groups were eliminated. You know, parents were communicating, and and that information then was not gotten out to the general public. And look what's come of it. I mean, the it's still being covered up. The extent of the vaccine injuries, because of course the VAR system, vaccine events reporting system, basically according to the Harvard Pilgrim study, only captures between one and ten percent of the actual injuries and deaths. Exactly. So, and in fact, that, that article I read yesterday from Dr. Curiarty said the exact same thing you've, you've been saying, which is that it's just a 1%, but he said 1%. Yeah, yeah well, 1%. I yeah. was trying to be generous to say 1% to 10%. It is down to 1% to 2%. According yeah, to is. The, yes, right, yes. Exactly. So these numbers are, 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 once again, I think this is also stuff you're going to find out yeah. happened, is that people are going to be out there having tried to convey this information you know, that these day, these these vaccines are not, neither safe nor effective. And Fauci and, and the people in the government, the big power brokers in the government squashed it. They made sure it was squashed because they didn't want anyone questioning the vaccine. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, I got kicked off fake. But my father used to sell for J.B. Searle, which is a big pharma company. Right. And so, I, I, you know, I have some personal experience with his telling me some things and him getting out of it, you know, for good reason and opening his own business. But um, which changed my whole uh, was a paradigm shift for me, changed my whole course of self-care uh, using holistic methods. And uh, it's been great. You know, I almost never get sick unless I'm literally picking my nose with my bare fingers, which you know what I mean? That's the fastest way to transmit something from surface to your stanzola. But I mean, yeah, otherwise, right. you know. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I, 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 you know, this is, this has got to stop and it's got to reverse course because this, don't forget the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the G20, they just came forward with this whole vac global vaccine pandemic plan a couple of weeks ago. Remember that came out? Right. That week? And and the, uh, what they consider credible testing, which is a whole nother thing we could expose at the PCR test. And Kerry Mullis, he, he come out, he never designed it to diagnose disease. It's designed to be used in lab settings, that, like he said, to make a whole lot of something out of something so they could use the testing procedures. That's yeah. why he made the PCR. <laughs> Not, you, you know, I mean, I mean, when I've talked about some of this, I, I know you have another caller, but right. this, we'll get, we'll get oh, my it. God. Wow. Where do you start? Where do you end? And we can well, talk like I said, hours. this is just scratching the surface. That's the, what I mean. Hours yeah. and hours could be discussed and they revealed. I just yeah. hope that Congress actually does something. The, the powers of Pfizer, the powers of big tech, the powers, 
you know, that, you know, Sheldon Wald and, and you know, Democracy Inc. Uh, and, and versatilitarianism. Who's working for who here? Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, 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 the disgusting nature of all this yes. is that is that they they took the orders basically of uh, of, of people working for a presidential candidate right yep. so when you take the orders of someone who's a presidential candidate you're basically tipping the scales right there that that tips oh, the yeah. scales more than russia ever could right there these people at twitter tip the scales in the election more than russia ever could and oh, you had the, yeah you know and you had and you had the biden administration a week before the election saying take this stuff down and they did that's outrageous that, that listen you know me i'm independent uh, you know, I'm not for Trump, against Trump, for about, as far as I'm concerned, they're both sides, of, left, right, cheek of the same dirty ass, yeah. right, Republicans, Democrats, so the people yeah. in the audience, that's where I'm coming from. But obviously, it's completely impro- inappropriate for the FBI to get into censoring the emails and the Biden, Hunter Biden laptop and the true story of, you know, Burisma and everything. Jesus Christ, you're supposed to make a decision who you're going to vote for. When the governments and big tech working together to hide information, like you know, regarding Russia, what kind of effect other than some bots or frigging some little propaganda can Russia have in our presidential elections? You know, that's up for us to do some research as 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 voters and and you know try and take responsibility for where we're you know. Come on, I mean. What, yeah well you know it's just like i said it's it's just once again when you look at what when you look at what rokana said which is very true which is yes. you make it worse when yeah. you do this when you, oh, when, you, when you cover it up you make it seem like there's something there that might not be there well, I, I, agree, I, agree. I disagree with rokana i think there's more to it i think joe biden is part of it but okay, oh absolutely okay but he said he doesn't think joe biden's part of it but you know there is an issue with with his son and the laptop just put it out yeah. there so put the information out there and then let people like him come to the conclusion that Joe Biden's not. I'm not going to not vote for Joe Biden because of his son. Let them come to that conclusion. But when you start covering this up, then right. you make it look like there's even more there than might be there. He's right. Hundred percent right. There's no doubt about that. And yeah. So- and if you're going to talk about Russia and you want to talk about Trump, let's talk about Deutsche Bank and, you know, money laundering. OK, I mean, come on. If you want to talk about it on that level, fine. But as far as the election, that's a farce. Well, and look if at I'm- the double standard. We know the hypocrisy. What if what if Trump, what if the Trump team were the one doing this? Right. Oh, yeah, what, if, what if Twitter was jumping when the Trump team said to jump and to, and to delete stuff and said so the left would be going crazy? The Democrats would be holding hands about every day. We know that. We know that. But it's because it's their guy that was doing it. Oh, it, it's a whole lot of nothing, right? I mean, well, their yeah. hypocrisy is so disgusting. It really is. It really is. Right, right. but we're trying to be fair about it. We, we've we got the banksters, the Deutsche Bank, the money laundering Russia. Did you ever see democracy? Let me think for a second. There was a 60-minute piece, um, Anonymous Inc. United States is the largest money, the money laundering capital of the world. That's both parties. You know, so Anonymous Inc., 60 Minutes, if I haven't heard about it, it, it was a, gosh, had it happened, I can't remember how many, at least 10 or more years ago. Yeah, 10, yeah, it was a while back. 
Yeah. You remember, right? Uh-huh. So that, that's bipartisan, the money laundering, the freaking lawyers, the American Bar Association, as far as they, they even stuck in the hearing and it was all exposed. They're like, oh, we make the laws. We're not worried about any of this. The lawyers aren't worried about any of this. The Congress isn't because they make the laws and do what the hell they want. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, all right, brother. I know you. you thank no, you for you know taking what? the you know call. What, William, you know what's really amazing? That people really don't talk about enough. You know, we, we mention Orwell all the time. Yeah. But. It's it's quite stunning. It's quite, and I know we're well past 1984 now. I know that, but it's quite stunning how he he for he he could see this coming. He yeah. saw this coming, and it's it's simply it's it's simply the idea that, like I said, they had the tools at hand to do this kind of stuff, and then the tools fell into the wrong hands, and that's why you have to, in a way, you have to kind of just. You have to destroy these tools, right? I mean, that's the only way because it's, it's always going to fall into wrong hands. At some point, it's always going to fall into people who are evildoers, who are going to do things for nefarious reasons, for political reasons, for personal profit. And so in a way, the only way to, to, to stop this from happening is to destroy the tools that allow it to happen. Yeah, well, you've got to, I mean, the, you want to cut the head off of the snake, you got to go basically to Davos. That's you a know? good point. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually over the next, you know, coming days and weeks, we saw a lot of stuff from, from Klaus Schwab, right? A mm. lot of stuff, a, a lot of Klaus Schwab influenced censorship. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. so that's, that's, that's probably, that's probably coming next. Like I said, this is all as, as stunning as this is, as amazing just evidence that we've never seen before. We've never seen this kind of evidence with collusion like this all dumped in one friggin' day. I mean, this is insane. And the, the more you read, the more stunning it is how, how brazen they were with their censorship. And as, as Ro Khanna was trying to explain, he's trying to explain this as a First Amendment issue, the collusion with the government to censor stuff is a first Absolutely. amendment issue. Yes, is. And all they kept saying is, well, we have a policy here at Twitter, right? All they kept talking about was their ridiculous, their community standards. Right. What they what they really need to be talking about is Klaus Schwab said, he, they, the young global leaders, the global influencers that have penetrated world cabinets and governments around the world. And they make no bones about it. But people want to know what the hell's coming and what's going on. How about the, uh, World Economic Forum uh, platforming uh, when humans will be cyborgs. I mean, that's no joke. <laughs> I no, tell but, you what, bro. When you talk about, bro, when I talk about community standards, that's something that these 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 tech companies come up with. These social media companies come up with as a controlling device, right? Yes, it's just a different name. It's a it's a it's a fancy name for a, for a censorship device. Community. What are, what are community standards? What are community standards? Well, you know what we have community standards. Use it like you said. Use the same community standards we have in society. If something's illegal, you forward it to the authorities. Exactly. If someone does something illegal, you call the cops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little personal. I got kicked off Facebook citing, you know, the uh, what's on the NIH library, open access medical journal PubMed, um, w- upon which the good doctors from frontline COVID critical care, American frontline doctors, you know, uh, Doctor Zelenko, were using those 
uh, you know, repurpose drugs to create protocols to save people's lives. That's what, you know, you know how the hell, you're trying to, and, and what came back was allegedly my post could potentially harm people. They finally kicked me off Facebook. I couldn't freaking believe it. You know, that's, there you go. I mean, and, and then Twitter, you know, I've been arrested four times. I got every case dropped fighting corruption and corrupting it, the unconstitutional state. So I make a post for Twitter, which was basically when reporting crimes is treated as a criminal act, you're ruled by criminals, you know, Julian Assange et al. And, the, and citing the fact I got four cases dropped in four years, the first person in Connecticut to get two cases dropped in two consecutive years, I got four. They prosecuted me illegally for 1,400 days here consecutively. The point being is Twitter blocked my first post. I said, oh, the hell with it. I can't even get started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, anyway. So, William, thanks for the call. Let me get to Daniel. I appreciate All right, thank you, bro. Thanks a lot. Right. Okay. All right, thanks. All right. Let's see. Daniel. What's up, Daniel? I got to put you on, don't I? Daniel. Yeah, I got a great synopsis and, uh, and reading of the events of the day there, Mike. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Um, yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, I was reading the whole thing all day long and I'm thinking, my Lord, I, you know, I'm going to try to put this into as plain spoken terms. You know, it's a lot of information. And sometimes when a lot of information is dumped, people get um, anxious, you know, they, they, they lose patience. And I think we just have to really stick with it. There's a lot of stuff out there. A lot of yeah. stuff was a lot of stuff was dumped in one day. You know, it, it is a lot, but um, it was only the cliff notes. And I think the mainstream media is going to make a mistake of thinking that it wasn't just the cliff notes. Um, the, I, I think uh, this is going to be so much bigger than Watergate, and. Um, and, and, uh, and I don't think that's a stretch at all. And I, and, and, and given that it's not a stretch, I think we should call it a long gate. Well, Elon gate, but that makes it seem like he's bad. He did something bad, right? No, no, was, no. Watergate was just the hotel that they're in. There was no judgment on the hotel. That's true. Actually, and I've yeah. been there. It's actually a nice hotel, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a nice complex, but, uh, yeah, it could be Elon gate or, you know, you, you could call it, uh, I think isn't Twitter gate even better. Mm, I don't. Yeah, well, it's it's not as funny, but <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. But but I think I think I think the point being, I think you made a good point of it by saying it's just a Cliff Notes version. Is yeah. that as Matt Taibbi said, he said there's much more to come, including answers to questions about issues like shadow banning, boosting follower accounts, the fate of various individual accounts, and more. These issues are not limited to the political right. I think you're going to also see a lot of stuff on COVID, a lot of stuff on COVID. Oh, I mean, yeah. Be, because yeah, the cover up the Hunter, remember the Hunter Biden thing was big just pre the election. But then we have the last two and a half years of COVID and all yeah. the stuff we know they've censored. I mean, COVID was there. Hunter Biden might have started with Hunter Biden, but I think COVID was there. There's probably even more censorship regarding COVID than Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely going to be more on 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 COVID later, um, in 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 connection with especially there's going to be overlap and lines drawn between the uh, um, New Civil Liberties Union or New Civil Liberties Association, I think there's called and yeah. uh, Jennings, um, Jonas, it's et al. Um, uh, case. There's going to be a lot of lines drawn between the, with the COVID stuff that comes up, but when it comes to this Hunter Biden uh, cover up and um, manipulation and possible collusion with the government. I think what's going to happen with the mainstream media is they're going to, they're going to try to float this idea that um, 
when the Biden uh, team, as was suggested by the reporting from today, um, contacted them with those five example tweets that they want them to look at, they're going to say something like, oh, it was just a suggestion. You know, we just want them to look at this to see if it was violating their guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what they're going to you know, that's how they're going to try to spin this. But what's going to come out in, in the next few weeks, of course, is that, you know, of course, it wasn't just those five. Those were just an example. This is just the cliff notes. And and then they're going to be looking into each one of those, tw- those tweets. I mean, they, they have the username there and they have the numbers specifying the specific tweet. And they're going to be going and looking at those. They probably already have. And they're going to be saying, hey, um, does this fit the guidelines? Is this outside the guidelines? And just like this, this hacked um, information uh, BS that they were using to try to uh, get rid of the New York Post story, um, they're going to find out that, oh, in most cases, it wasn't outside their guidelines. And in most cases, it was um, 95 percent of the Democrat or, by, or, or let's concentrate on, only on Biden at the moment. 95 percent of the Biden team uh, requests were acted upon. No, and, they, they, and those and those and those uh, tweets or particular users were banned. And, look, and the it, statistics alone, the statistics that are going to come out that show that they're predominantly that most of the Biden uh, team suggestions were acted upon in the manner that the Biden wanted it to be acted upon. And, and the fact that they were not actually following the guidelines, those statistics are alone are going to be, put a lot of people away well, as it is right now. This is a crime as it is right now. Biden's team just calling, just just contacting them and even suggesting that, oh, maybe you should take down these tweets. That is enough. That right there is an infringement on our First Amendment rights. But there's a whole lot of more statistical weight that is going to be made um, with respect to these points of the government interacting with with Twitter and influencing their decisions to 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 take down particular tweets and users. Look at how the left went crazy over 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 Donald Trump, and he was impeached over his conversation with what Zelensky, right, where he supposedly put the arm on him a little bit. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. This is that's nothing compared to what this is. Oh, well, this of course this is this is this is huge. I mean, I I I, I I'm just flabbergasted. I'm, I'm flabbergasted because from from one perspective, in one respect, I looked at CNN's front page to see what they were how they were covering this. And the headline was something like um, uh, 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 Alon's release of materials um, shows the confusion <laughs> within, within the Twitter team yes. uh, about uh, the, the New York Post story, as though that's all it was about. It was, oh, they're discussing things and yeah. how they should act in the best yeah, That's manner. exactly how they would have put it if it was Trump doing it, right? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. Sure, they were. <laughs> yeah, as, as Vinay Prasad just tweeted, an incredible abuse of power. This has absolutely played a role in COVID-19 policy debates where many people were unfairly stifled by government actors. Bingo, right there. We know. Okay. And, and of course, I, I, would, I would argue that stifling the debate and information on COVID and vaccines is much worse than the Hunter Biden thing. Yes, oh, by, the by about thing, four orders of magnitude, if not right. six. <laughs> yes. Yes, the Hunter Biden thing may or may not have have swayed the election. I don't know. It's possible. You can't prove it would have. But there's no doubt in my mind that the COVID stuff, the stifling of the COVID information allowed the government to do these mandates, 
made people get these vaccines that otherwise would not have. And who knows how that's going to affect and locked them. locked us down and destroyed our freaking economy and killed the, children right, all over right, Exactly. Destroyed the economy. Destroyed children. How about all the real information about closing the schools and massing in schools and how that would hurt children? That was stifled and censored, not allowed. So these schools were closed for a year, year and a half. And what it did to these children, that is probably the, the worst offense of all of this. Yeah, this is just so amazing on so many fronts. I mean, as you said, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for us buying this. And isn't that, I mean, that right there is just so freaking interesting to me, is, is he buys Twitter and he decides to open up all the books for the sake of transparency. And he did this for good reason, both both for our country and for good business sense. If anyone, if, if the, you know, half the country is going around thinking that, uh, you know, Twitter's just censoring us on and they're, you know, throttling down through their algorithms, their speech, et cetera, then, they're, they're, you know, it's, that's bad for business. On top of it, it's bad for our country. And, and Elon was able to do something that most corporations seldom do, which is something that's both good for our country and good for business. Yeah. It, absolutely. It, 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 it's great for his business. It's great for business in general, but it's also great for the idea of what social media can be, right? Yeah. In, its, in its purest form, what social media can be. But, but you have to get these, these, these standards, these community guidelines. Like I said, it's just a fancy word for we can censor whatever we want. Those have to go out the window. As Elon Musk said when he bought this thing, the only real guidelines you have to follow are the ones that are in law. Law, just as in society, if you look at Twitter, just like regular society, there's, you cannot threaten people. You can't threaten to, to do bad things to politicians. You can't threaten this. You can't threaten that. You can't use you. Can, there are certain things that are that are absolutely child pornography. It's against the law, period. OK, whether it's on Twitter or, or out in the public on, on the street. So all you have to do is follow the basic laws that have already been passed by Congress. That's all that should matter. Those are the only standards that should matter. And you simply, as Bill was talking about, you send that stuff to the feds. You send that stuff to the proper authorities. You don't need to censor anything. You don't need to censor anything. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Right. Um, this is just the cliff notes. I am looking forward to the novel. Um, <laughs> the novel there might be actually a novel written the, yeah it's going to be a, it's going to be a series what, what do you call that um well there was a novel written about this called 1984 it's basically yeah, well, this, this, this yeah. is going to be 19 this is going to be uh part two, of, <laughs> part two uh, yeah exactly. 1984 yeah yeah exactly daniel thanks for the call yep. have a great weekend okay you too. all right uh who's next uh, jay hey jay what's up Hey, Mike. How's it going? All right. How you doing? Good. You took a break for a couple of days, didn't you? Who did? You did, didn't you? I take no breaks. <laughs> there no. was one. There was one night you did, you weren't on. Uh, it's called Thanksgiving. Hello. <laughs> one no, night. There's, there's one breaks. night. What was it called? Uh, and there'll be another night. It's called Christmas. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Yeah, Thanksgiving. That was it. Um, That's it. Well, you know. I, I hate to be the, the, you know, the bearer of bad news and, you know, the person that's pessimistic, but, you know, you guys are just talking about these lockdowns, these unconstitutional lockdowns. You know, guess what's in the news? Uh, Los Angeles just said they're reinstating the mask mandate. The United States military just said they're reinstating the mask mandate on all uh, military property, all active Air Force bases. I mean, they, they literally 
forced every single military member to be vaccinated. They're 100% vaccinated, and now they're instituting a new mask mandate. Yeah, well, that's because we allowed it to. Once again, we had the they had the tools to do what they did, and we allowed them to use those tools. We didn't stop them in their tracks from day one, and this is what happens. And we warned that we warned that the political left was never going to drop this. We 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 warned that we said they were not going to drop this. And right now, everything we've said has come true. You know, they call this conspiracy theories. Yeah, well, they called all the stuff about Hunter Biden's laptop conspiracy theory too. We said the vaccine's not going to work. They're like, oh, well, that's a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, guess, I guess, uh, you know, I guess the, the new variants, right? It must be the new variants. That's why none of the vaccines work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the new variant. There's always a new, it's so easy to make up a new variant. People believe it. I mean, I see stories every day about these horrible new variants, these, these monstrous variants that are around the corner. They're around the corner. Watch out for the new variant. You know, and once again, we allow once once we allowed this to start, this is what happens. Look at the people in China. Right. They're finally fighting back, but they should have been doing this from day one. They should have been doing this from day one. It's, yeah. it's, it's very simple. The, the people had the had the right, the ability, the power to stop this very early on if they wanted to. It was very simple. Like I said, I said this and people said, no, you can't do it. They can't, they'll get in trouble. I said, no, these stores, these people, these people that were locked down, these small businesses that were closed, they should have all opened. They should have all opened and operated as normally and the government couldn't have done dick to them. Nothing. Well, you know, I mean, there's some good stuff. And here's the thing. You know, like Daniel said about the, you know, how that is enough to already to, you know, be, you know, be convicted of a crime, you know, and there's also things like going on in Canada right now, like all the fines, like during the, uh, you know, the truckers protest, you know, the the truckers, of course, the freedom convoy during, during that protest, you know, they like super unconstitutional. They froze like the truckers bank accounts. They I, I know, I know. Trudeau is one of the biggest tyrants around. Oh my God, he's scary. Yes, and he's yes. such an actor. He's into it, you can yeah. tell he's into into being the evil guy. There are a lot of things about him that make him worse than Hitler. People go, oh, "Mike, shut up!" Well, there are, and and he, here's the thing, which is really amazing to me, is that Hitler, when you hear, when you hear Hitler talk, he was very loud. I mean, he's always screaming and yelling. So when someone's doing that, it makes it more obvious they're a little nuts. Trudeau is so scary because he's so calm in the way he talks. And I'm, yeah. I'm very serene. That is a, that is so that is like Hannibal Lecter evil, right? It's like Hannibal he's Lecter. He's so out of touch. So yeah. Out of touch. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he comes across as this very calm, you know, good looking young guy right. when underneath all that is, is incredible fascism, incredible evil. Absolutely. Right. And- yeah. And but you know one of the things that that their court or people are trying to do is now the courts are have like uh, they're refunding all of the fines, all of the fines that they gave for COVID. You know, like twenty thousand dollar fine for exactly yeah. what you're saying, your small business staying open, etc. Mm-hmm. Those are all being refunded. But you know, I, I don't want to be pessimistic, but it's like okay, w- w- we know how connected the Clintons are. We know how connected the Bidens are. Like. How hard do you think it is just to pay off that federal judge that's assigned to that ruling? Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, I yep. hate to say it, but we've seen it over and over and over. Yep. No, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. But but the power is in so – the idea is 
people like Gavin Newsom and the government in general, big government, they like to scare you away with the perception of the power they don't actually have. Right. It's just that it's just that threat of power that scares people. And what people don't understand is when they when 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 they when in large masses there's civil disobedience, the government has to shrivel up and go away. And that's what would ha- that's what would have happened if these businesses just simply opened. You know, these businesses should have simply opened if they wanted to give it a week or two weeks or a month in good faith at the beginning. Fine. But there should have been a day where they said we are all opening up on this day make us stop and they never would have been able to make them stop no way and, and i think and that's what people are seeing now jay look even with this mass mandate that may you remember barbara farrar a few months ago threatened this like she did this time and she didn't do it because you saw all those cities there's so there are, there are like seven or eight cities within la county that have already said they're not going to do it <laughs> so so these mandates become less and less powerful they have less and less cachet as more people say we're just not going to listen Right. There's, there's no power to them anymore. And that's the whole point. You take away the power by defi- by not complying. It's, it's that simple. You don't comply. You take away their power. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. And you got to think about, those, you know, those evil, corrupt people, the people part of that club, you know, like George Carlin says, you know, like you, you've seen that, right? You've seen mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, well, he just describes it beautifully. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, like there's only, there's not that many, you know, for a population of 8 billion, there's like what, you know, a couple, you know, a uh, hundred thousand, maybe, you know, politicians, bankers, people really up there, you know? So it's like exactly what you're saying. Like, what are the, what are the cops going to do? Arrest every small business owner in the town? You know, it's like, or, or even what you said, the power is also in the people, right? Let's, let's say there's a grocery store, right? Okay, let's say you, walk, you know, one person walks in without a mask. They're like, sir, we're not serving. You need to leave. But what if 50% of their clientele was refusing to wear masks? They're going to give away 50% of their revenue? No, of course <laughs> you know, not. Yeah, exactly. Of course and so not. The, numbers, the numbers is what we need because when right. there's mass noncompliance, exactly what you're saying that's how you gain back the power because they don't really have that power the only power they have is like you're saying that fear of you know you better comply or or else right and if enough people non-comply you know i mean it's like no one is that. even no one ever no one even asked what the or else is because there is no or else what are you going to do about it <laughs> there yeah. is no or, or else what or else, what, what, what are you going to do idea. nothing you know, so it's it's nothing. It's it's a face. It's, it's, it has it has as much power as you know as anyone who might just come up with something and say you must do this. So, who are you? There's, there's there's no power behind this. These people are not elected. There's no power in a in a public health official who was appointed by someone to have the power over millions of people's lives and to control them and tell them what to do. There's no, they don't have that power. It does not exist. It's not in the constitution. It does not exist. So basically, once again. But we have seen, and now we're seeing with Twitter, thank you, a point I wanted to make. We're seeing, except for someone like Ro Khanna, give him credit, we're seeing that a lot of Democrats, a lot of people on the left, don't care about the Constitution. They don't care. They don't like the First Amendment because it takes their power away. They don't like the Second Amendment because it takes the power, their power away. The First Amendment and Second Amendment are there to put the power in the hands of the people. Right. That's why the founding fathers did this. And a lot of people on the left just don't like that idea. 
Right. Well, it's, you know, like you said, like the people that are really on the front lines that would have to enforce this is the, the Gestapo, right? Like the police, right? So it's like when, when they say, all right, this person, you know, whatever, open their small business, we want to rip them from their house, throw them in prison. You know, are, are you going to be the cop that's going to go on that door, like, and try to rip someone out of their house? Like, I, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go break into anybody's house. I don't want to get shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's no, like when, you, when you take that away, there's no fear, right? There's no fear. Absolutely. You take that away. They can do whatever they want. And you saw what happened in Australia. Mm-hmm. Australia is mm-hmm. a Western country that during the height of COVID or the quote unquote height of COVID had basically what China's doing now, the zero COVID policy. You know, they weren't welding apartment doors shut, but like pretty close. Like you couldn't go more than a mile from your house. Yeah. Like, I mean, ridiculous. You couldn't go get groceries unless it was like essential. You can go get groceries once a week, you know, like. They, they well, deployed National Guard on the borders of each of the states in Australia. You had to show your papers if you wanted to, to pass. Mm-hmm. The trucker, truckers mm-hmm. had to show their, their vaccine passports if they wanted to pass. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. Well, New Zealand, too. She's a nut job. They're all, and, 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 and the fact of the matter is, is that you wonder. I was thinking today. I was like, my God, what, what's going on with tourism in China? Who would want to? You don't want. Who would go to China now and have to stay in their hotel the whole time, right? I know. There's I'm, so many but, white. I see those white people that you know work in China. But but the fact of the matter is, you know, that communist government they don't really give. They don't give a shit. The lack of tourism hurts the people. It hurts the small businesses. It doesn't hurt the. It doesn't hurt the government. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt Xi. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt the president of the country. It doesn't hurt the people high up in government. So they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit that the people are suffering. They don't care. That's part of what communism is all about, right? It's it's so it's 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 like they don't care. They simply don't care. And so, that, would you ever wear a mask again? No. Well, yeah, I, I, I wear it as a doc. Uh, yes, I, I I don't want to lie. I wear it in the doctor's office because they won't let me in without it. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, the only the only place I wear a mask now is when I go, you know, to a doctor's appointment. So let, let's say there is a mask mandate in your city reinstated. Would you wear it in a grocery store? No, never. And no. what if they said get out? I have the, they have the, 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 that's the business. The business can tell me to leave. I mean, fine. They don't get my money, but it's, it's pretty so simple. Where do you get groceries? No, but not everyone, see that whole, that's the whole point. Not everyone is. That's the whole point. You go to the stores that don't require it. That's all. Yeah. And it might take a couple of days to figure that out. We did it before. We no, have I'm a bunch kidding. of, look, uh, there's a bunch of friends I hang out with. Daniel's one of them where we found restaurants that did not comply from day one here with the mask yeah. mandates and the vaccine passports. And we gave those places our money. Your business. Yeah. So that's the same thing. And, and believe me, with every mandate, there'll be more and more places that are going to defy it, right? That's what happens. There are few, uh, there's a few and fewer places will comply with each passing mandate. So it, it's, it's going to be even easier now than it was two years ago to find places. No, so no, right. I, the fact of the matter is the business owner has a right to say you have to leave. That's their business. I believe in that. But you just don't give them your money. If they're dumb enough after suffering for two and a half years to suffer more then they should suffer. Yeah, I, I refuse. You know, I'm not I can't play the game anymore. You know, we it is essential now. Like this is the time, you know, where we either, you know, morph into this technological dystopian, you right. know, surveillance state like China everywhere. Or we fight back. We we non-comply. So I can't play the game. Yeah, I mean, I'll, to ask me to leave, I'll never your, wear a mask again. Yeah, to ask me to leave your business is fine. The only thing you don't want to do, because I'm from Brooklyn, is get in my face about this stuff. But that's. <laughs> but other than that, you have every right to ask me to 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 leave and not yeah. take my. But why would I want to give you my money if you're a moron? 
Yeah. No, if you're a fascist, why would I want to give you my money? It doesn't exactly. make that's stupid. Why should I do why should I even do that? You know, right. so it's a discriminatory business, you know. Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's a I I actually I, I don't live in LA, so it's easy for me to I would actually love to see Barbara Ferrara try to reinstate this and then see how many cities and how many places to fire her. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's gonna take well, I mean, it's gonna take because in fact you need spots. you might need that in a way to happen to serve notice to anywhere else, right? Any other any other city or state that will try to do it will see what happened in L.A. and say, "Well, why bother? It doesn't have any power anymore." I so. mean, and the, all the lawsuits too, you know, yeah. like, yep. Uh, but yep. but you know, and the last thing I do want to say though is like, yeah, like exactly what you said, like as. Uh, you know, as as pessimistic as I am and like as pissed off as I fucking get about hearing these things about mask mandates are coming back, as much as I know that they're far from done trying, right? Like if they had their way, the lockdowns would have never ended. They would have been continued today. You know what I mean? Like if if they had their way, if, if global governments had their way, everywhere would be like China right now, right? But the reason it's not is because of the resistance. And right. as pessimistic as I am about how many people are fucking asleep, how many people are compl- are complying with this evil, with this lack of, you know, with this suppression of freedom, with, you know, supporting their oppressors, as, as much as it pisses me off and just dumbfounds me, makes me depressed how many people are asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have to be proud of how much resistance there was. Yeah. We have to be proud of the riots. We have to be proud of the protests, not just in the United States, but all over the country. I agree. Like all over the world. Absolutely. And, you know, what someone said to me was a big thing is like either that the revolution will not be televised on the mainstream media. Not at you all. Know, you have to look at these other apps, rumble in telegram, whatever you have to, you know, but they're out there. I mean, look at what Brazil's doing, right? Brazil is protesting that, that illegal uh, seize of power, you know, by the, by the liberal government mm-hmm. and the, the military is going to take, take over and, and uh, reinstate, you know, the person after the stolen election, mm-hmm. China, there's, they're finally protesting. And who knows how big the riots really are there because China will never, you know, let that information escape. Right. But I totally agree with you that now more than two years ago, we had resistance two years ago, but I think there's even way more now. And that's why it's, I'm kind of like, all right, you're going to bring it back. We know you're going to bring back, right? Right. What did the G20 leaders just say? Oh, we're going to agree to a global digital vaccine passport that Mm -hmm. all 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 citizens are going to have to use if right. they want to travel if they want to do anything yeah right for the quote-unquote next pandemic right, right? And we know what's going to happen the world world economic forum oh yeah we're going to try to do everything to increase compliance during the next pandemic it's like yeah. we know it's coming but you know what I, i'm ready for it like bring it on because you know we need to feel too many people are complacent you it'd, know, be a lot, it'd, be, it'd be a lot tougher to, to have that work in this country if Ron DeSantis is president as opposed to Joe Biden, right? Absolutely. There you go. So, you Absolutely. know, you, you, got, you got your decision to make. People have their decisions to if, make. Okay, if, if yeah. Joe Biden wins, then uh, I don't think that – I think that's pure evidence that there's election fraud. <laughs> oh, yeah, not, well. Not yeah. a sane human being that exists on this planet would vote for that person. Of course not. <laughs> no, there's no doubt about it, especially after, you know, once again, the main reason – was to get rid of Trump, you know, and, and once, once people got rid of Trump, they had no, they had no reason to, you know, they had, they had no use for Joe Biden. So that's, that's a, that's a whole, you know, the 2020 thing is a very special case. 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a rematch of Biden. And no matter what the media tries to say, I don't think there'll be any rematch of Biden and Trump. So, yeah, so, you know, so part of me is, is so disheartened, you know, that the, they're going to try to bring these mandates back. But another part of me is, is very excited because I don't think there's ever been more people awake. I don't think there's mm. ever, ever mm-hmm. been more people uh, resisting. I think if they try to pull that bullshit again. There's going to be way more resistance. I think there's going to be protests all over the country. I don't think it's going to work for a second. Right. And that, that's exciting, you know, because sometimes you got to burn down the old system before you can build a new one up. And that's what it's going to take. But I think that's happening. I think that's happening every day. And I think more than anything, the truth is all over the Internet, right? The truth is, is more over the Internet everywhere than it's ever been in my opinion what do you think? yeah i think i think when it comes to these mandates you'll see the same people wearing masks to wear them now the people who want to right that's it i think that's what it'll come down to i think the same people will wear masks during a mandate as when there's no mandate and other people will not you know it's i think it's i think it's going to be very split that way you know there are people who will wear masks there are people who will wear masks for forever now they'll wear they'll wear it forever they don't, it doesn't need to be a mandate they'll, they'll wear it forever you know, so those people are, are going to wear them no matter what, you know, so it's it's basically going to come down to that. It's going to be more of us. But it's just like with the vaccines, man. We see it with each with each passing booster, fewer and fewer people get it right. It's, it's the same thing. It gets watered down after a while. People get tired of it. They've had enough of it. So, Jay, let me let me get the Cheech. Thanks for the yeah, call. Thanks so much, man. Have a great thanks weekend. Time. Yeah, you too. Weekend. All right. Uh, let's oh, Cheech. Cheech, where you been? Long time no here. I've seen you, but I haven't heard you. Cheech, you there? Hello, Cheech. Calling Cheech. Did Cheech fall asleep on us? Sorry. Cheech, there you are. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's been That's a while. A, it's been, where where it's, have you been? It's been a while, man. I, I've been listening to the show, but sometimes I'm I'm lying in bed next to the wife, so I can't get on a chat, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I knew Matt Taibbi was my favorite journalist. I knew the man was good at his job. Um, but here's the thing. Do you think it's going to change anybody's minds? Because I'm scouring the news and none of the mainstream outlets are really running this. Of course, like the more right-leaning outlets are going to run the story, but no one else seems to be making a big deal about it. Well, that, that's um, not, is that a shock to you, though? That, 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 that no, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> but my concern... Well, my concern is like, like to me and to people like, like you and, you know, people that kind of, I guess are more of an independent minded, you would think it's, it's pretty obvious to us, like, Hey, this is a really bad thing. Like when you have the merger, you basically have the government utilizing their authority, um, over a gigantic tech company that controls all the dialogue between all the major newspapers and journalists and, you know, the dissemination of information, that's a really dangerous thing. And you don't want that no matter what you think about, I don't know, Kanye West saying things he shouldn't and Trump saying things that he shouldn't on Twitter, that, that people aren't smart enough to, to see the difference between those two problems, right? Like the big threat, you know, it's, it's, it's Orwellian. Right. It's 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 really what he warned everybody about a long time ago. Um, And if it's to continue, it's it's just going to make our lives more miserable in the long run, because 
like Jay was just talking about, when you have all of these mandates that come down and these <clears throat> these propaganda campaigns about how dangerous the next wave of COVID is going to be, people are going to keep getting a filtered information flow and just ex- just do what they're told. I mean, in areas like where we live, we're, we're we're kind of fucked over here. If they decide to start doing that here, yeah, you can say I'm not going to wear my mask, but you have to wear it in the doctor's office, or you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to see your doctor. Um, that, but, you that, wanna... that, yeah, that's true. But that's also your doctor's offices are actually not just here in California; it's in a lot of places. You know, so. yeah, yeah, I'm not I everywhere. Don't know, man. But I just we're surrounded by idiots, man. I just don't think you know. Sometimes I don't think things are going to change, even when you have a big story like this that breaks um in and i i agree with with daniel i think this is bigger than watergate in my opinion but i think to the general public it won't be i think but it has to get you know what in a way because of elon Musk's personality it has to get coverage you see so the left-wing media is between a rock and a hard place here because he gets they'll just smear they'll just smear everybody They're, they're already trying to smear matt taibbi I've already, no, I've already they've, been, they've been trying to smear Matt Taibbi for a long time. They always try to smear real journalists. They try to smear Glenn Greenwald. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. You know, so, so it's like, but the fact of the matter is, doesn't that just prove our point? That just proves our point. They are now smearing and censoring. They're doing exactly what the executives at Twitter did in collusion with the government. <laughs> they're doing the exact same thing. So they're basically just proving our point by either not covering this or trying to smear the people who are uncovering the truth. They're making a point about the Democrats, the left, and the left-controlled media, and the collusion between big government, big tech, and big media. They just, they just continue to prove our point with everything they do. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful moment just in the sense that we're being vindicated for everything we've been saying about it. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked in big tech. I know what it's like on the inside, and it's completely at least 90% Democratic. And... I've heard conversations. I've seen them. Um, hey, when, when, when are they going to pull, you know, when are they going to ban Trump? When are they, I mean, like, they so just what, sit around and talk about it openly. Like, it's so what, big what, deal. what makes, what is it, is it because they live in San Francisco? In other words, what if this, what if tech, what if this tech company Twitter were based in Alabama? Do you think it'll be different or is it just, are techies more, more liberal? Yeah, they're just more liberal in general, in general. And, and especially like now that tech, I, I'd say, I'd say in the early days of tech, that wasn't the case. I was probably more libertarian. Um, but what happened, was, at least from my viewpoint, um, when tech became huge and kind of this desirable career path um, where you can make a lot of money and uh, you could also find employment on the creative side of tech, like they need a lot of designers, they need people that do that. And so you get more of the creative class in there that, that lean, you know, mostly democratic. I mean, look, look, look at all the cultural institutions are pretty much captured by the left. Right. Right. So um, a lot of that has injected itself into the tech industry as well, because it is a creative field. There's there's engineering on the one side, but there's a lot of creative thinking involved. And like I said, once it got to the point that it was attracting people um, Mm. from 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 a broader spectrum of the population, um, I think it tended to attract people that. You know, okay. well, and look, the, that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. I, I, you know, why I never think of techie as being creative. <laughs> I think of it as scientific. I think, I think of it more as technical science, math. You know, so I don't. It, it's a little you know. of both. 
Yeah. It's a little, it depends on what's, like, if you're more on the engineering side or if you're more on the creative designer side. But there's a lot of designers that work in tech now, too. Um, so, so you know, that has an influence. But I think in general, too, a lot of the younger crowd that works in tech, you know, they're recent graduates and whatnot. And so we know that the universities are basically, you know, they're kind of puppy mills for. Oh, that's for absolutely true. Yeah, the propaganda. Extreme leftism. That's true. Right? So, yeah. And that's true. And there are a lot of. This is the eighteen to thirty crowd, right? That voted for Democrats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and those yeah. most—that's you know, tech is a young business, you know, for the most part. So, so you have yeah. to look at it that way. Um, but I but, just, but you, I just, you, what you said something that I want to correct. You said things won't change. Well, Elon Musk owns Twitter, so things are changing. I mean, that's a big change. Twitter's a big. Yeah, Twitter's until, the most powerful. Until, Twitter's the most powerful they, player of all the platforms. You know, so until until the Epstein is ass, you know. Well, let's uh, hope that doesn't happen. People, you know, uh, people got sure? nervous. People got nervous today. He said there's going to be a big dump, and he went away for like ten minutes. Everyone thought he was killed by Hillary. Yeah, come on, you know, <laughs> we got to really, you know, <laughs> and the actually, the, the Babylon Bee wrote the story. You see the Babylon Bee? They no, said they not. had a story of him with like red marks. All over his face, in other words, like, <laughs> like you know, the the the, the, ta- the, the, the tasers all over his face, the, the guns pointed all over his face. He was hilarious, and Elon thought it was hilarious. But that's kind of what you're saying, I know. But usually, when someone is quite as powerful as him, he's got a lot of safeguards. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of he's got a lot of people protecting his ass. So I'm not I'm not yeah. too worried about Elon. But once again, I think this is part of this is why they hate him so much. They never expected mm-hmm. someone of his power and his money. To do this, right, and to take mm-hmm. away their, they take away their little project, to take away their little pet project where they could control the narrative, and that really has thrown them into a tizzy, hasn't it? Well, it's a major victory for people like us, that's for sure, and um, it's and it's a vindication, right? And, yes, um, I think it'll be harder to pull this kind of shit going forward, so maybe things will change a little bit, right? Um, I think it's interesting that Rokana um, actually told um the jj or whatever the hell her name is uh uh you know yeah that's i think i pronounced it it's for yes i don't know it's good enough right um (laughs) we know who we're talking about yes i mean he basically pointed out to her he's like you know you you're gonna turn this into a first amendment issue and make it a bigger issue than it needs to be you know so um just by him being exposed in that email exchange i think it makes it much harder um, to kind of like sweep this issue under the rug, right? Because now he's going to be getting interviewed and people are going to ask him about that, right? Yep, they are. And uh, and, it's, and it's going to be harder for the Democrats to kind of like, uh, I don't know, gaslight about the situation. Certainly. Uh, but they will. They'll, they're going to definitely try. And uh, and I don't know, man. It, it, it's I'm going to take the victory. I'm going to take the small victories wherever we can get them. This is a big victory. Um, and there's more to come. There's more to come. Yeah, I, tomorrow yeah. there's going to be a big dump too, right? Yep. So, oh, yep. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. There's more to come. I, I, I can't wait for the I can't wait for the COVID stuff with Fauci and stuff like that. That that's going to be even better, I think. Oh, that's when they start better. having the hearings, you mean? Yeah. Well, well, no. When 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 Elon Musk uncovers all the stuff with the collusion between Fauci and, and Twitter and censoring. Oh, stuff. you think that's what's dropping tomorrow? Oh, I don't know if it's dropping <laughs> tomorrow, but it will drop. I mean, it'll be part of what's you know, it'll be part of what's uncovered. You know, so it'll, it'll be all oh, part no, of the that'll make my year. It'll be all part of the collusion between Twitter and and the Democrats and and the and the narrative that they wanted to control around COVID. So 
Oh, that's God, that would be splendid. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you could look. The, the thing with Hunter Biden is now out there. We got it right. I mean, you could, you could. I guess there are more emails you can uncover. But basically, you're beating a dead horse, right? We know now mm-hmm. what the deal was there. Mm-hmm. We know now. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration mm-hmm. said we don't want this Hunter Biden stuff out there. Twitter said okay, so we got that. Now we need to mm-hmm. get them on other things. We need to get them on COVID. We need to get them on other stuff that they covered up, other stuff mm-hmm. they censored. You know, yeah. and didn't let, let didn't let the real didn't let the 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 free exchange of ideas out there, you know. So that that's that's what we need to see. That that's that's the next thing that we need yeah, to see. And, must, I, and I said that's even bigger than the Hunter Biden thing. So yeah, I think you're right. I think Musk yeah. is not stupid, right? So he's going he's going he's going he's going to roll out a juicy bit first, but he's also going to come out with something even stronger on the next round, and then maybe a third round. The, yeah, the, to be the icing on the cake, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I see an escalation in, in, in doozies coming. Yeah, you're right. Right, yeah. right, right. All right, All right. Mike. Well, Sheesh, thanks hey, for man. the call. Good talk yeah. to you, man. Have a talk good weekend. You All right. You too. So, bye. All right. So there'll be a lot more. We'll talk a lot more. Over the, we'll see what happens over the weekend, what's dumped over the weekend when it comes to Monday's show. But we are, what, two hours? We're about an hour and a half into the show, and we're at Friday. And this is all heavy shit, isn't it? It's all heavy shit, man. It really, it really is. And we need to kind of take a breath. Let's take a breath and let's go see some movies. Why don't we go to the movies? Let's go, let's go to the movies. Let's do a transition here from this horrible stuff to oh, – I, I do want to make one point on what Cheech was saying. Cheech was talking about a lot of creative people being on the left. That we know is true. And then when you have someone who's not like James Woods, he's totally ostracized. And he is made to look like a vile person who uh, should not get any work. And as James Wood said on, on Tucker Carlson tonight, that his career came to an end once he started posting on Twitter. And that's his only real outlet. But there was just a great amount of, of, um, of collusion against him. Uh, not only censoring his stuff and, 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 uh, and, and censoring his speech, but also the fact that he's been ostracized in his business and it's hard for him to get work now. As he said, anyone who even follows him, if you're in the, if you're in the movie business and you follow him on Twitter and someone looks to hire you, they'll go around Twitter to see who you're following. And if you're following someone like James Wood, you ain't going to get the job. So it hasn't only hurt him. It's hurt anyone who's associated with him. Who's in that business. And so when you see an act like people often say, what happened to that guy? Well, James Wood is also very, good poker player. He plays poker a lot. He's in those poker tournaments all the time in Vegas. But um, people say, what happened to him? He was such a good actor. He's in so much good stuff. He's such a great actor. He won awards. Well, this is what happened to him. And now he's going to sue the DNC. And I hope he fucking wins because he deserves to win. Because a, a guy like that, an actor of that quality doesn't just start, stop getting work because they get older. We see older actors getting Harrison Ford's going to play fucking Indiana Jones. The guy's like 90. So we see this all the time. We did, older actors get work. The good ones get work. If you're a lefty. Remember, these are the people who were so against the, 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 uh, the House on Americans activities, right? Because it said if you were a communist, you were labeled a communist, you couldn't get work, you were blacklisted. And now they're doing the same thing. Fast forward 70 years later, 60 years, they're doing the same fucking thing. The same thing they said was so disgusting in the 50s. They're doing to people now except take out the word communist and put in conservative. If you're a conservative, now you're a blacklisted, blackballed, like James Woods. 
if anyone has any connection with James Woods, I'm going to, I'm going to contact him. I'd love to get him on the show because I, I think he should, you know, we can talk about all this. And, uh, I think it's just something that people don't talk about enough. The, 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 the blacklisting that conservatives get in Hollywood. Okay. Okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about some movies now. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some movies, people who are not blacklisted, who are still working in the business. Uh, there's a film called The Menu, and this is with Ray Fiennes. And uh, if you've seen the trailer, he's a, he's a, he's a big-time chef. You know, he's kind of like an Emeril Lagasse-type chef, the kind you see on, you know, on, on the Food Network, on uh, Iron Chef and all that. And he has this little island, almost like an Epstein Island, where people go, the rich go, and they have these incredible – in this incredible setting, they have these, you know, $1,200 a head uh, prefix menus where he has several courses that he serves them. And we follow these 12 people, these 12 very wealthy people who go to this, actually 11 wealthy people and one person who's not part of that crew. I won't give it away. Um, but Anna, Anna Taylor-Joy plays the one, the person who's not totally part of that, of that wealthy clan. They all go to this island. And he prepares these great meals for them. But as the, as, the, as the night goes along, they realize that their lives are going to end that night, that he has it all planned out, where at the end of it, everyone's going to die. And basically, this is one of the we've seen a lot of this now, actually, in Hollywood, which is this really uh, uh, condemnation of the elites. Right. Uh, we saw it with uh, uh, Triangle of Sadness, the movie Triangle of Sadness that I reviewed about a month ago, where these elites are caught on this boat and the shipwrecks and so on and so forth. And we're seeing this now a lot where Hollywood's kind of, in a way, going after the wealthy people. It kind of, I, I understand it's kind of contradictory because a lot of people in Hollywood are wealthy, so they're kind of going after themselves. But we are seeing more of these films now where they're, where they're going after the wealthiest of the wealthy and they're skewering them. And they're having a lot of fun with it. And this film has a lot of fun with it. It's very clever. It's really good black comedy. If you like black comedy, really dark humor, really well-written black comedy, then this is the film for you. Um, Ray Fiennes is fantastic in the role. Um, and all the acting is fantastic. The set design is incredible. And and the idea that this this plays out where it gets darker and darker and darker as it goes along. And it, 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 and it really works if you go with it. It's, it's incredibly well-written dark humor. So I definitely recommend the menu. Kind of have to go through these quickly because there are four of them because I was, uh, during the holiday, I wasn't seeing as many movies as I should have seen. But these are all the holiday movies coming out. These are all the Oscar movies that are coming out. I expect nominations for the menu, especially with casting and acting. I expect Ray Fiennes to probably get a nomination for it also. He's fantastic. Um, another film that I really want to talk about, which is really I think one of the best films of the year and it's called bones and all. And this is with, uh, Timothy Chalamet. And it's kind of a modern telling of a group of people who are, who are, uh, cannibals. These are modern day cannibals basically, but they're among us and they're on the margins of society. And they seem to be able to find each other. They, be, they, they, they can smell each other out, let's say. And they end up, uh, you know, I just spoke about myself and a bunch of people here in San Francisco <laughs> who were able to find each other and, and form a group of people who are really on the margins. We're on the margins, right? Everyone here was agreeing with the, with the mandates and the mass mandates and the vaccine mandates and and, and showing it to go into restaurants. And we got together and we found a bunch of people, a group of people, a small group of people who were going to defy that and only and sniff out, if you will, 
other places that allowed us in without having taken the vaccination, without wearing masks. So uh, looking at a film like Bones and All, it is about cannibals, okay? But it's not really about cannibalism. It's about people, Timothy Chalamet, he's a lead, um, and uh, Taylor Russell. And they're two young people in their 20s who are both cannibals, and they find each other and they fall in love, all right? And they're trying to work their way in a society where they are obviously outcasts, all right? Obviously outcasts. Obviously, people can't know what they do. They have to hide from society. And the film really uses the cannibalism as a great metaphor for being an outcast, for being an outsider, for not going along with the, the, the critical mass and being an outsider. And it's also a, a great romance. And the, the director, Luca Guadagnino, he directed the Call Me By Your Name. That was the one with Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, where they're, they're, they're lovers in Italy. And this is also a love film. It's about two people who I said, both outcasts who find each other and are trying to find a way to survive and live with the curse, the absolute curse of being, of, of being born cannibals, basically. It's a really edgy film. It's really daring in that it takes what is basically a horror film. Luca Guadagnino, by the way, is like a disciple of uh, Dario Argento. He did the remake of Suspiria. So he comes from that Italian background of, of you know, the, the, the cult filmmaking, the, the cult horror films. And he really is able to combine those elements with the elements of, of romance and, and the idea of being outsiders and outcasts in films that we saw in the 70s a lot films like Badlands. And it comes together almost as like this incredible poem of what we want life to be and what it is, the reality of what life is and how we're fighting against that reality to make our own reality of what is and what can be, what we want to be and what the reality is. And it's always that 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 contradiction, that fight that's going on throughout this film. I think it's a beautiful movie. I think that the performances are fantastic. Chalamet, as usual, is, is superb. Uh, so I think this is one of the best films of the year. It's called Bones and All. Okay, now, now I'm going to go into The Fablemans. And this is Steven Spielberg's, what they say, semi-autobiographical, semi but it's really not. It's, it's totally autobiographical film. He just uses a different name. It's about his family and him growing up and what inspired him to become a filmmaker in his early life as a child and as a teenager. So it's the period of time between like he's a trial, you know, seven years old to the time he just begins college in, in, in Southern California. It's that time period, basically. I was afraid going into this movie that it was going to be this really nostalgia laden film about what inspired him to be a great filmmaker and moments of inspiration and just really laid on thick. And it's not at all. It's really a family drama about his mother and father and their relationship and their afraid relationship and his mother's uh, attraction to a, a friend of, of his father's who ended up breaking up their marriage. And um, what Spielberg does with this basically is gives us a very look into his early life and the things that really inspired him. This is not like surface level stuff. It's incredibly deep, and the family drama is incredibly well played out and authentically played out. Um, uh, 
Paul Dano plays his father. Michelle Williams is his mother. Gabrielle LaBe- Gabriel LaBelle is the young Spielberg, is the teenage Spielberg. It's written by Spielberg and Kushner. And Tony Kushner a- obviously brings the, the elements of, 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 of family into this and the family life and highlighting that. So this is not like a, a photo album of Spielberg's greatest moments, what led to his inspiration. It's not, there's nothing in here past him being a 20 year old in college. So there's nothing to do with any of his films that he made or his filmmaking or any of that stuff, or his meeting with, you know, meeting uh, Lucas or De Palma, any of that stuff. It's basically about him growing up in the post world war II Arizona and then moving to California and the effect that even had on him moving from Arizona to Northern California, where I guess at the time in the sixties, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. So we had to deal with that also, but you really get the measure of his early life and his inspirations being his family life and that great hurt of the relationship in his mother and father and their and their separation and divorce at a time when many people, you know, we're talking the, the early to mid 60s were not getting divorced. So you could tell that was a very, very painful moment in Spielberg's lives, life that really was the measure of who he became and what inspired him in his filmmaking. And also a couple of early films he made as a student, which you could also see would, uh, would, would uh, inspire him later in life and his filmmaking choices later in life. But it's a great family drama. It's not what I expected at all. It really isn't. Like I said, I expected this kind of nostalgic trip through his early life and his, you know, inspirations and, you know, and maybe even his filmmaking and, but it really ends before he makes any films. It ends with him in college. Actually, it's very funny. The final scene in the film is basically him meeting John Ford. He had got a job as like an intern or an assistant at CBS. That was one of the earliest jobs he had when I think he was maybe like a, a freshman or sophomore in college. And he meets John Ford. And John Ford in the film was played by David Lynch. It's a cameo and it's brilliant. And that's basically how the film ends with, with John Ford giving him some very direct, very direct advice if he's going to be a filmmaker. Um, also, there's a, there's a, there's a, a little more than the cameo by, by uh, Judd Hirsch, who I haven't seen in a long time. And Judd, Her- Judd Hirsch in this film is absolutely fantastic. He's like a whirlwind. He only has a few scenes, maybe 10 minutes of screen time. But he's absolutely fantastic as, as uh, Spielberg's uncle. Um, who also gives him some advice about the 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 uh, the battles between you know his family life and 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 you know being part of a family and also his his incredible desire to be a filmmaker as well. But the more I think about this film, the more I like it. I mean, I, I just feel like you'll you'll never I'll never see Spielberg in the same way again. I mean, it gives me a great greater appreciation for what he became, and it's just an incredibly heartfelt family drama that is incredibly authentic. Every moment rings true. And I think it's right now, I, I might call this the best film of the year. It's Steven Spielberg's The Fableman. It's great that Steven can still make great movies. And I certainly recommend The, the Fablemans. Finally, finally, lastly, is a film called Violent Night. And I just saw it before going on the air tonight. Uh, and this one is about Santa Claus, an actual real Santa Claus made by David Harbour, who is kind of, you know, a drunk. He drinks a lot um, and he's kind of tired that he's living now in a world where children only care about material stuff. Right. And they don't really care about the holiday and, and they're he's 
you know, it's a, you know, he's, he's tired of the greedy society we live in, the greedy ultra capitalist society and the way children don't really care about the holiday anymore. All they care about is the material stuff. So he's become a drunk who's really getting tired of his job and is even thinking about quitting. And uh, <laughs> he runs into a situation where he uh, ends up in the home of a rich family, a very wealthy family, who are being invaded by bad guys. And the lead is John Leguizamo. And they, he, they, they end up at, the, at this family mansion. They want, to, they want to steal money from this wealthy family. The, the matriarch of the family is played hilariously by Beverly D'Angelo. And uh, Santa, I guess you could say this is like Santa, it's almost like Die Hard in a Santa outfit. Or you could say Santa Claus has some very special, specific skills like Liam Neeson. And he takes care of the bad guys through one very, very violent Christmas Eve. So the film has fun with this juxtaposition of Santa Claus and Santa and Christmas and also these incredibly violent scenes of, of David Harbour, baby, the kiss, kicking ass. And, you know, and uh, I mean, really ultraviolent, over the top cartoonish kind of violence. So the film, like I said, tries to juxtapose the comedy and this incredibly ultraviolent uh, uh, action sequences. And for a while it works, but I have to admit, after a while, I kind of got tired of it. After a while, the, 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 it, it really just, uh, it really falls in love with its violence too much. It's over the top, let's put it that way. And it becomes numbing after a while. So while early on I was enjoying that juxtaposition of the comedy and, and the action, the comedy and the action and the violence and the idea of Santa Claus kicking everyone's ass, after all, it kind of becomes one note numbing. And I find myself not really not really getting into it, not really caring anymore. And I think the problem is it's, it's probably a one-note idea. And David Harbour's really good. The leads are good. David Harbour's great as, as, the, uh, uh, as Santa. And John Leguizamo's fantastic, and he plays the villain in a very straightforward fashion. Okay, there's no comic book cartoonish element to his criminal. It's not like um, uh, Home Alone, right, where Joe Pesci plays this you know, cartoonish criminal. He's not cartoonish. He's a really, he's a really good bad guy. So the two lead performances are, are, are great, but after a while, I guess the theme just wears out on me, you know. And it, once again, it gets the violent sequences that go on for a very long time, and they seem to really take over the film. It's as though the idea of juxtaposition, the comedy, and the violence. There was some there was some creativity at the beginning, but the film kind of let that go, and it just kind of revels in violence after a while, and it becomes very one note. So I, I kind of tuned out about halfway through. So, you know, if you want something different, you know, if you want to, you know, if you, if you like your, 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 your violent films with, you know, some humor laden into it and some, uh, uh, some well choreographed action scenes, then it's for you. But for me, I found myself tuning out about halfway through. So I guess I can not, re I will not recommend Violent Night, but I totally recommend Bones and All big time, uh, uh, the menu and absolutely the Fablemans. So for the weekend, get off Twitter, get off Twitter, go see some movies, enjoy the holiday season. And on Monday, I'll have a wrap up for you for everything that happened over the weekend on Twitter. So if you miss it, you can come here Monday night and we'll be talking about it. 
because I think we'll be talking about this for a long time. I think this is really groundbreaking. I think this is a very important moment we're living in right now, folks. I really do. I think it's an incredibly important moment that we're living in here. And I think this is only the vanguard, only the beginning of what we're going to see, what Elon Musk is going to uncover on Twitter. And, uh, hey, this is going to take us into the hearings, right? This is going to take us into January where the Republicans are going to take over. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to be able to sift through and hold people accountable for. And I think that's the most important thing. I can't say that enough. People need to be held accountable. There needs to be accountability. And I believe part of that accountability is, is criminal prosecution. And I think there's going to be enough evidence for for a prosecutor to uh, – or prosecutors to take that on. Okay. This has been a great week. I want to thank everyone who's listened. We're, we're getting a bigger listener base here, and that's great. And also the callers, William and Daniel and Cheech and Jay. Did I miss anyone today? I think those are the callers today. And I want to thank everyone for, for, uh, for listening the show is called Unless Be Heard. And remember, it's on Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. My name is Mike Kachopoli. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you right back here, 11 p.m. Pacific, on Monday night.